What's up, people? How's everybody doing out there in the uh, frequency world? Uh, today we're going to, if you listened to the last episode, we were talking about how we should do an episode on songs that you didn't know were covers. So this will be that episode. I got to adjust my mic really quick because yep. it's at a weird position. Okay, that's better. This one's going to be fun because there was a lot that surprised me that I didn't know were covers. Yeah, there's, Even a, there's a lot on here. I was, you know, there, I mean, could it be because I haven't been listening to radio, radio music in a long time and you just don't think about it? Or, I mean, I don't know. There's just a lot that surprised me when we're looking up stuff. I think it's. And then some you just. When, know. uh,. Like when you take a really old song and a newer band does it, and right. that song outshines the old band, the record companies and radios and whatever, they push it so hard that the old song falls so far down into the cracks yeah. that people don't fucking even know where it came from, where to look for, what it was. Or they like change the title of the song or a couple words. Oh yeah, the tempo. Yep. Yeah, they do little things like that and uh completely hides the fucking original author. Or like the when the guy writes a song but the woman sings it or vice versa. That really plays a trick on you. Yeah. And going into that, the one that surprised me a lot that was a cover that was written by a guy and recorded and released originally by a guy and then a girl covered and made it popular, which it made more sense for a girl to do the song, but at the same time I could see how a guy did it, it would be um, Girls Just Want to Have Fun was originally by a guy named Robert Hazard, but Cindy Lauper brought it to fame. Yeah, exactly. I would have never, I had no idea. And all of these songs that we're listening are like, they were recorded and released before they were recorded They were released. recorded again. You're right. Not just written and then never released, and then they fucking released it or they yeah. gave it to somebody else. Yeah, Except this, there this... was, I do have one on here. Do you? That was, because I thought it was interesting, but it was written by a woman and then given to somebody because her record label denied the song. Oh, which would have been, um, I gotta find it. Oh, if I were a boy, oh, the, the Beyonce, Beyonce song, yeah, it was originally by BC Jean, but when she pitched it to her record company, they shot it down and they were like, no, you're not doing that. So then she, ga she gave the song to Beyonce, and Beyonce made million off of it. I have, I didn't get to read the story on it because I'm wondering if. Beyonce is like stupid loaded. Right. So I wonder if she did the song and like hooked her up on it and was like, here you go, you can have all the publishing rights and blah, blah, blah. Well, does she is she credited with the song? I don't know. I, uh, I'll have to look into that. If she is, then of course she'd get, a, get something. But if not, then fuck well, Since Beyonce. she was the writer, she would have to get something. Get something. But another one that I, I found that, um, I had no idea and has kind of an interesting story to it is uh the fucking What a Man song by Salt and Pepper and En Vogue, you know? Yep. Like what a man, what a mighty good man, that bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well that was apparently written by and sang by a Lindell Lindell. And uh she used to um open for like James Brown, Ike and Tina, shit like that. She recorded the song in sixty eight, but she didn't perform it until 2003 because she got threats from the KKK. Isn't yep. that fucked up? Yep. 2003. Did Salt and Pepper do it first or did In Vogue do it first? Like cover wise. Oh. I want to say In Vogue did I it first. I want to say In Vogue too, but and then, then I'm not 100%. I want to be 100% on that shit. Did you see Coming to America, the second one, where uh -huh. they, have, they have the party for. Um, King, uh, what's his nuts? Jeffrey Joffers or whatever yeah, yeah, the fuck yeah, his yeah, name yeah. was. So they have this party for him, but it's like his funeral. And he's upright in a casket. And they bring out uh, Gladys Knight 
And then like Ice. they bring out Salt and Pepper singing What a Man. And then there's somebody else too, but it was really funny. Um, the Beyonce song, If I Were a Boy, it does say written by Brittany Jean Carlson All right, and so Tobias Gad. <laughs> so I, uh, just to be uh, honest out there, I type in En Vogue, Salt and Pepper, What a Man. First thing that pops up, Tupac Shakur. <laughs> like, I swear. And it says that it was Salt's fucking dream man. Yeah. One of them, too, I don't remember if it was Salt or Peppa. One of them dated Tretch from Naughty by Nature. Oh, okay. Because I was listening to, I think it was Tretch on My Expert Opinion, the Math Hoffa podcast. I think it was that that he talked about. Because he got, like, allegedly did some bullshit to her through the media or whatever, but he was clearing that up. Trench did? Yeah. Like, I don't remember what it was, if they said that he hit her or something like that. I don't want to quote it and be wrong. But some bullshit went on, and he was clearing it out in the podcast and was like, yo, that never happened. This is how that went. This, like, that's not how I am, blah, blah, blah. I gotcha. That's funny that Tupac was their dream man, though. Yeah, Tupac. <laughs> I'm sure for a lot of people, though, in that era, it probably was. Because, like, um, damn, why can't I think of her name? Will Smith's wife. Jada Pinkin. There you go. She dated him. Yeah. And then, like, I know he... Or they were friends. I don't know if they dated. Did they date? I'm pretty sure they dated. I because don't think they fucked, though. I don't know. But I, rem- I didn't read Will Smith's book, but my girlfriend did. Uh-huh. And they- she said that... Um, he talked about it a little in there, how he felt like he couldn't compare to him because he wasn't Because he's fucking like, Will Smith and it's yeah, fucking Tupac, yeah. dude. Come on. Even my old lady would be like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to jump on Tupac's dick <laughs> over fucking Big Willie style. On that um, What a Man song, I found out some more deep shit. A guy by the name of Dave Crawford, who is a uh, R&B musician, songwriter, radio personality, producer, you know, one of those people that's not necessarily super famous but it's rich as fuck right he's a behind the curtains guy right he he got the you know it was originally recorded by linda lindell but he took that song and he's the one that changed the tempo and um rewrote it for salt and pepper ah anyway um one that i thought was really funny was Billy Ray Cyrus's Achy Breaky Heart was originally by the Marcy Brothers, uh, which was like an old country trio, if I remember correctly, which was funny because that's like his only big song. Yeah. I mean, he's still eating he's still, off that right, today, right, as far right. as I know. Like, that was like his thing. And then he brought on Miley Cyrus and whatever. I'm sure he gets a check from that shit. But From his daughter? Yeah. Dude, I fucking imagine. You know, well, he was probably smart with his money or something. I mean, I never really been. looked into him very much. I never did either, but I know I can't think of another Billy Ray Cyrus song outside of that song. Um, and then I know I'm sure when she was on like Disney Channel and shit, he was collecting checks from that and taking a portion of it or whatever as her manager, I think he was. And now I don't know how that works. She's probably like, fuck you, dad. No, but, I think she still fucking probably lives. I, it's, I want to say she still lives on the fucking property, but in a different house or some shit. It could be. I mean, they could have, like, like a, their own Dolly World type of thing going on where they all got their own houses. It could be. I'm going to, um, I want to see how many this fucking thing sold. Achy Breaky Heart? Yeah. Lots. I know. I just was wondering. Oh, so here's a single. Oh, okay, wait, that's from George Jones. So he's saying, I'm, I got to his page. Anyway. What does George Jones have to do with it? George Jones sang that song. Oh, Achy Breaky Heart. Uh, 19, Before he did? In 1961. So he also covered that's it. That's what it says. Okay. See, we discover shit all the time. Yeah, I didn't know that one. I didn't even see that when I was looking up covers and stuff. George Jones is the type of country music that makes you, like, want to drink yourself to sleep. I... No, I like George Jones. I do too, but it's like so heartfelt country that it makes you like. You oh just, yeah, like, he was a drunk piece of shit. Yeah, too. it's almost like country blues kind of like. No, there's I a lot of heartache it. in his music. He really hurt. Uh, 
Bam. Are you still looking for the sales? Yeah. It's got to be in the millions. Oh, like. I know it is. I just, for some reason, I thought it was like a record breaker. Probably was at the time. I mean, oh, now it's go. hard to set that bar because there's so many singles that break huge records of like billions of streams, but this was way before yeah, streaming. Yeah, this was like 92. Yeah, nine. okay, it was recorded November 91, released March 92. Number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, and I think the original song said that it, like, barely cracked the top 100. <laughs> Listen to this, dude. It was Billy Cyrus's biggest hit single until he was featured on Old Town Road with Lil Nas X. Like, oh, yeah, that yeah, that's right. I forgot money. that. But forgot that's that 2003. That. I mean, that's fucking... Or well, not, think of how much they've polished the marketing since then. That's not 2003. That's not No, that, that was, like, ago. 2020 or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know where I got er, that from. Yeah, 2020. Something like that. But, uh... 27 years after. They've had the time to figure out how to market and push this shit. And they have more resources to push it versus in 92 when the song was recorded. The only thing they were putting out is tapes and CDs of it. And maybe like a 12-inch single or something. Right, right. So... I know some. You want me to say that save? Old Town Road song was huge when it came Fuck out. Yeah. Like people were like sending me that, like, dude, you gotta listen it. to this, and yeah. I was like, this sucks. This sucks. Yep. But whatever, like, to each its own. But to me, I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> well, it sounded to me like it was just a simple beat and some asshole. Yeah. It but. was like, you know, Ghetto Cowboy, Bone uh-huh. Thugs and Harmony. Uh-huh. It was like that, but like the PG version. Because Ghetto Cowboy was sweet. I thought they did a good job. Well, right, they just, like you said, it's like a PG version. I never really thought of that. Yeah. I also wanted to say Elvin and the Chipmunks covered fucking Icky Breaky Heart, and that peaked at 53 in the U.K. singles. Shit, that ain't bad for Elvin and the Chipmunks. 71 on the U.S. hot country. Um, anyway, I didn't get the numbers, but it sold a fucking shitload. Yeah, because I know he was, like, still making royalties from it. Right. He, I would imagine even now he still is. Oh, definitely, man. Any Anytime that... Featured in anything, but uh, Red Red Wine was originally a Neil Diamond song, DB40. That Uh, one, um, some of these I went back and actually like listened to the originals, and it's crazy how much they changed it, yeah, because Neil Diamond didn't have that reggae spin on it that UB40 did, and the reggae spin to it kind of fits the song better than Than Neil Neil Diamond did, right? I, um I think now I would think people would know this, but maybe they don't. And Nina Simone, one of her most famous songs, "I Put a Spell on You." Yeah, that's a cover of another guy that I really like. Um, that's the Screaming Jay Hawkins. Yeah. Song. Okay. Yep. I was about to say it, but Screaming, I remember Screaming like Screaming Jay Hawkins. Yep. I remember when we were talking about uh, was it Ella Fitzgerald in the jazz episode? And we, I was like, yeah, isn't that yeah. a Screaming Jay Hawkins song? Yeah. I didn't want to say it twice and be wrong, but yeah. I was like hearing it in my head, and I'm like, yeah. I know for a fact that that was a fucking Yeah, I put Screaming a spell Jay on Hawkins you. Now, that's song. one I've listened to both. Yeah. And uh, she had a couple other covers, too. Yeah, she did. But um, her, they're both completely different, you know what I mean? Yep. But, it, but not that much changed about them either. I don't know. But definitely listen to both. They're both fucking tight. That's one where it's, for me, it'd be hard. I would, Gun to the Head, Nina Simone is probably better than the Screaming Jay. But Screaming Jay is credited as, like, that's could be the first. He, like, started, like, the alternative, the alternative fucking, goth yeah, style. Yeah, so weird to, weird, like. How old that is. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's way, way old. Now, um, but I, I would say think, Nina's definitely a better singer. But Screaming Jay Hawkins had such a unique voice that it made it almost creepy when it came out. Like when he belts out "Because You're Mine" and he's got oh, that like it. raspy tone yeah. to his voice. He had like that voodoo thing going on. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, let me see. It almost was like a Halloween soundtrack. Oh, definitely. Because he had like that whole, uh, like I said, that voodoo act going on. Mm. And on the cover, he looks like a fucking, like a. James Bond, like, cheesy fucking yep. voodoo dude. Oh, yeah, he's got the sunglasses on and mm-hmm. shit and, like, the 
Wasn't he wearing like a fucking turban or something? He's got something weird. Like on a top him. hat, and he has like the weird skull shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Never mind. Not a turban. That's right. I can see it now. I remember yeah. he was wearing like something crazy and white. Yeah, it's just like you know he'd use my crop props and yeah, I put a spell on you. It is one of the rock and rolls. 500 greatest songs that shaped rock and roll I would totally agree with but then you have someone like Nina Simone sing it and bring so much fucking like it almost puts a different perspective on the cause it changes the lyrics to me yeah when Screamin' Jay's singing it you're thinking of like a voodoo hex Uh curse type of thing and when she's singing it or you're thinking sorry when she is singing it you're thinking like I put a love spell type of thing right right no, I, so I totally it like agree. brings two sides to the song. And that's what's cool about like these covers, you know. Uh one that really surprised me again that I didn't know was Superstition by Stevie Wonder is actually a Jeff Beck song. Yeah, they traded. Never knew that. They, I I cuz it's hard to picture anybody but, but Stevie singing that. his own. Yeah. So I was like pretty I had, like, went on a Jeff Beck kick a few years ago, and that's when I realized, I'm like, superstition. And it said Jeff Beck, so then I grabbed the fucking talking book uh, and looked at that, and that said Jeff Beck. And I yeah. was like, I have the record. Jay Beck. But, I have the yeah. record, too, and I guess I just must have never noticed that. But it was just, like, that's, you know, on accident that I figured that out. Um, Ring of Fire, Johnny Cash, is also a cover done by his wife's sister originally. Yep. And then Social I, D later did a cover of it. I think because of that movie, The Walk, Walk the, the Line, Line yeah. that brought light to that, which is pretty cool. Because, uh, honestly, before that movie, I didn't, I never looked into it. I just figured it was a, because I listened to Social Distortion and I fucking love that band. Mm-hmm. And when he's like, here's, you know, a Johnny Cash song, well, you assume he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Right. And it, is, it was made popular by, by Johnny, Johnny Cash, right, but, but it was written by his originally fucking, done by his sister, yeah. or sister-in-law. But when Recorded somebody by does, his sister-in-law, but written by his wife. Yeah, okay, yeah. yep, yep. But when somebody does a cover like that and brings it... To that kind of like, height. It's like all along the watchtower with... Jimmy right, Hendrix. right. Like even Bob Dylan himself was like, he brought out things in the song that I couldn't, that I didn't see, and put different exactly. spins on it that I didn't think of. Yeah, and um, obviously we've listened to both versions of that song, and <clears throat> the story's the same, but like the, like you said, the per- the performance and the way Jimmy, where he takes that song to, is a place like Bob Dylan never could. Yeah, especially like admitted it and knew it. Bob Dylan's got the folk rock style down, whatever. But uh, Billy, (laughs) Jimmy, put such a different spin on it and brought so much more life to the song that I mean, people are immediately gonna associate it with that. I always associate it with Vietnam because every time you watch a movie about Vietnam War, that's in there. Yeah, like when you're when you're flying in on a chopper and about to get into the shit. Yeah, you hear. It's like apocalypse now, where yep. they're like bringing a chopper over the lake or over the river and shit. Well, if you know, think about it. If you were about to like possibly go into a jungle that you may not come out of, and you have Jimi Hendrix all along the watchtower like blasting, mm-hmm. I would be fucking pumped, dude. Yeah, a lot more pumped than, <laughs> than Bob Dylan playing yeah, than it. Bob Dylan, like... Because, like, if I'm listening to, to the Bob Dylan song in the jungle, like, I'm like, fuck, I'm done here. Like, I ain't making <laughs> this up. But, like, the Jimmy version's giving you, like, the extra oomph to be like, fuck yep, that, we're making yep. it out of here alive. Yep. Like, ain't no way we're dying here. Yeah, when he hits that solo, you're just, like, emptying your fucking clip. Yeah. Another Jimmy song that's uh, that's a cover that he made real fucking famous is Hey Joe. And, you know, the song about fucking killing your old lady, which yep. those are always cool. And that was recorded by a group called The Leaves in 1965. He actually has in, a, in the song Freedom, he talks about shooting his wife, too. Yeah. Because he's like, you're messing with my wife, so I got my lead. 
Yeah, um, I got you. But I don't think that's a cover. I think that's his song originally, as far as I know. What is it? Freedom. Free- yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, I never think, heard I think anything. it is, too. It's heard, our heard Cry of Love, different. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But yeah, uh, there's been a couple instances where he talks about putting down his wife or putting down other people or whatever. I know. Here's a. I got another one that may or may not surprise people that don't know, but Respect is a cover. Aretha Franklin's big fucking hit. Respect. And, yeah. And uh, it was done by Otis Redding first. Yep. Um, but that's another instance where Aretha brought, brought it, so much yep. more life to it. But she put the woman's perspective on it. If you listen to both, yeah, Aretha's is through. I just blows it away. Like you, it it brought it life. That's why I got fucking huge. Like it did. Yeah, it needed to be from a woman's perspective. Really. Right. And it's like girls just want to have fun. Like that <laughs> yeah, to me yeah, is a woman's perspective right, song. But exactly. I can also see how it would be. A guy's perspective or how it could be but to me it makes more sense coming from a woman yeah like if you're and trying so to sell the, a song yeah and so did the respect because at the time like there was civil rights movement going on mm-hmm. and women's rights and all that stuff so for her to make that statement was more groundbreaking than for otis redding to make that statement well yeah and like you just said it he was talking about he wants respect as a black man mm-hmm. where she's saying i want respect as a woman I mean, you're, you know, definitely. Not that he didn't deserve his respect. I didn't mean my statement to sound like that, but I just think that hers. Listen to him. And I think that hers hit about. more. Fuck yeah. Because he's just kind of like, I just need a little respect. Like, he's just yeah. kind of cruising through it where Aretha she belts, belts it out, shit. spells yeah. out it, and like, I don't know. Yeah. That's one of those Goosebumps songs. Yeah, definitely. I thought that one was cool. Some of these covers are going to break some hearts. I know that. Because there's some on here that I have that are by like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and oh, shit yeah. like that. That people yeah. are like, oh my God, the, fuck that. Led Zeppelin did it. Like, no. Sorry. Uh, they're probably the biggest like ripoff cover band there Led is. Led Zeppelin? Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's what's funny to me about Greta Van Fleet is because people gave them so much shit yeah. for being like, oh, you guys are just a Led Zeppelin ripoff. And in a way, they are. Yeah. Yeah. But Led Zeppelin was just a blues ripoff. Uh, well, you're right, and it's like. So, but nobody freaked out about that at the time. Nope. Well, I'm sure people did, but it wasn't they didn't like a. Listen. Yeah, it wasn't. I'm sure blues fanatics were like, "Fuck that! That's a Willie Dixon song, or that's a whatever song." But the masses were like, "Oh my god, Dazed and Confused! This is amazing!" Well, Which, right, Dazed and Confused. That leads me into that is originally a Jake Holmes it's song. Way, it'd be way easier to fucking. Push those records to white suburbia coming from mm-hmm. those dudes than it would be from fucking Willie Dixon's crazy Chicago ass, yeah. you know? I because mean, it was more, because the record labels, it was all white executives uh-huh. and everything at the time, so. It was the 70s, I don't know. Yeah, it was mostly a white-dominated world as far as the high-up executives go, so. They were trying to white up the music and shit to push it along to the suburbs. It's the same as how they did it with jazz. Yeah, where yeah. You got the hard bop style of things, and then you move on to like ballroom jazz, like whited it up for people. Yeah, you got to PG it. Yeah, it's just like Elvis. Mm-hmm. Which I fuck, I could have made a list of like just Elvis songs on here because there, he has so many covers. Um. But Hound Dog was originally a Big Mama Thornton yep. song. And, I mean, she was doing that, like, years and years and years before Elvis. Um, and it was incredibly controversial for her to do at the time because not only was she a woman, but she was a black woman. So Did she, didn't she she do it in the 40s? I think it was late 30s or late 30s? Yeah, early 40s. I think yeah. it was, I want to say it was, like, 1938 or some shit. That, that's when she recorded it? I think oh, so. Fuck. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on right. it, but it's somewhere in that. It was, like, 20 years before Elvis did it. Right. Which, in her time, would have been, like, that's some shit you get killed for and at there's that no, time. Right, like, and there's no way for anybody to know any different in right. the music world. Like, as a... A fan in the a fan in 1956 is gonna be like, Elvis wrote this fucking song, blah blah blah. And you're yeah, because it's be able not to... like you could Google right, like, 
oh, who wrote this song? Like yeah. Heartbreak Hotel. That was originally a country song. I can't remember the guy's name that sang it. We actually have the 45 here in our vault. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember the guy's name for the life of me, but that was originally a country song. And Elvis took tons and tons of songs that were blues songs or in that realm of music and just made them. He put kind of his spin on it. And I don't know that he was intentionally trying to rip them off That's just how they did things back then, man. I just think that was him paying his respects to the music that he grew up on in the area he grew up. But then once the record companies caught wind of that and seen that it was working so well, I think then it got heavily exploited past that. I would agree. I'm trying to find the... um, Hang on a sec, I'm sorry. Oh, the original Heartbreak Hotel? Yeah. I can't remember the dude's name. It was something very generic. Like fucking Bob like Johnson. Bob Johnson. <laughs> it's like what we like Jack Smith. Oh shit. Like the Cuz I remember when we got the 45 like me and Steve were like holy shit like this has got to be worth a lot of money. This should be in like a fucking museum or something. But it's one of those things that's so far under the radar that it's almost worthless except to the right person who would appreciate that sort of thing. All right. So I'll give you the lowdown on this. The song Heartbreak Hotel was written by written by uh May a woman, May Baran Axton and Tommy Durden, but it gave writing credit to Presley, which we know he didn't write shit. Uh, but the first two Who originally it, recorded it. Yeah. It'd be funny if it was Jack Smith. Man, the Blue Moon Boys. The Blue Moon Boys with the guitarist Chet Atkins, pianist That's Floyd what it was. Kramer, fucking Chet Atkins. Yeah. That's who did it. They put Chet on it. So, obviously, that's completely different. Another kick-ass cover of that song is by Dax Riggs. Yep. And it's on uh, "Say Goodnight to the World." Say goodbye to the world. Goodnight to the world. It's good night. Yeah. And uh. I love that version. It's fucking so haunting, and like he slowed it down. It's yeah. it. And that's like, a hard. Uh, that's hard to like cover a song that fucking big and not get shit for it. Yep. Yeah. I like when an artist like Dax Riggs or an artist like Jimi Hendrix puts their own sort of sound yeah. and spin onto it. Which, for the record, for people who may not know, Dax Riggs was a singer for Acid Bath. And has his own solo stuff. And then has a few solo records. Different bands. <clears throat> yeah, Agents of Oblivion. Elephant, Elephant. And Dead Man. Yep. I think there's one other one that there he did too. But for some reason it's slipping my mind. I want to say my kid has the CD. Have but to look into Say Goodnight to the World is, um, I like the I'll See You in Hell or New Orleans. I don't know if that was originally his song or a cover or not. But that's like know. a dark and dreary but I can, that's a record, um, even though this is off the subject of covers, there's a cover on it, but that whole album I can put on, drop the fucking needle, yep. flip it, drop the needle, don't, like, I don't have to skip shit, it's all good. I like the, that one's really good, and then I like the one where, um, it has that girl's lips on it, yep. I can't remember the name of the album. One. I don't have that one either, I just have Say Goodnight to the World, and then I got the Acid Bath albums. Um... So you and I talked about this yesterday, and I actually I talked to a couple other people about this, and nobody hit so far that I know have known this has known this. Or did we talk about it yesterday? Whatever day you came to my house, okay. Um, Killing me softly. Yeah, I didn't know that was originally done. It was an acoustic version by a woman named Lori Lieberman. Where I thought it was orig- originally done by Roberta Flack. Yeah, because when you and I thought that. That's who was the first person to do it. Yeah, because when you listen to the Fuji's version, they often credit Roberta Flack mm-hmm. because that was where Lauren Hill, I think, got the tempo and sound and right. the way she carried it out. But originally, it was an acoustic song done by Lori Lieberman, then covered by Roberta Flack, then covered by the Fuji's. Gotcha. Which I didn't know. Steve didn't know. John didn't know. I asked a few other people. They're like, "Nope, didn't know that." Like, I always thought it was Roberta Flack. Cause so did I. Man. I have. Both those albums, I have Killing Me Softly and um, the score that has that song on it, and I never knew. 
because nobody else credits Lori as the singer on it that I've seen so far. So that one threw me for a loop. Always like, like, yeah, everybody we know didn't know that. It's pretty weird. Oh, the Dax Riggs album, We Sing of Only Blood or Love, 2007. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Pretty much all of his solo albums are actually good. The man has a really good voice. Like, outside of his acid bath screaming shit, uh-huh. singing-wise, like, I, dude can sing. Yeah. Is my, uh, one of my friend's favorite fucking singers. She got to see him. Oh, uh, Leah? Live. Yeah, Leah Rankin. Yeah. I'd say rest in peace, but fuck that. She wouldn't like that at all. <laughs> uh... Oh, I got a funny one. Go ahead. So, I I do love the Stray Cats. However, I do find Jump Drive and Whale a bit fucking annoying. And I thought that he wrote that. And uh, nope, it's a Lewis Prima hit from 1956. Prima. Yeah. Jump Drive. I guess it does kind of sound like a cover now. Yeah. There were a lot of rockabilly. Like, uh, what's that Bill Haley and the Comets song? That's Rock Around the Clock. That's a cover. Yeah. Uh, I Will Always Love You, Whitney Houston, was originally a Dolly Parton song. Yeah. And I think Whitney did it better. But they're both good. Yeah, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to pick that one. Here's one that I may have to fight some local people over this. I don't know, but I'm willing to fight them because fuck Motley Crue. But... I didn't even see any Molly Crew covers. Okay, you know Smoking in the Boys' Room? Yeah. That was done by Brownville Station first. Oh, that's right. I knew that. Yeah. and it's I like, never thought about that, though, for the, whatever reason. <clears throat> and that's just probably, again, because we're from Michigan. Yeah. With the Brownsville Station thing. But they're pretty They're pretty much the same. Like, they just ripped them off. Yep. Sorry to all you Motley Crew fans out there. I just can't do it, man. <laughs> um, another one that'll be... A heartbreaker here is I Love Rock and Roll, Joan Jett. I knew that was a cover. Originally an Arrows song released seven years before Joan Jett did it. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy because if you were to take, worldwide, if you were to ask who sang I Love Rock and Roll, I guarantee you 90% of people would say Joan Jett. Just because of how big the song is. Easily. Yeah, if you said who wrote it, definitely. That would pop out. Well, Joan Jett. Nope. Yep. Because when you, I mean, when you think, even just when you say those words, the chorus rings in my head because I've heard that song so many times that you just immediately associate it with that. Um, Tainted Love was originally done by Gloria Jones and Ed Cobb which was later made popular by Soft Cell, and then down the road, Marilyn Manson covered it. No, I think, I remember when Manson covered that, and, um... It was credited as a Soft Cell song. Right, but kids at school, they still were like, that's a fucking Marilyn Manson song, this band's ripping them off, like, what? Like, people are that dumb. How do you think that, because that Soft Cell song is in the 80s. Right. Like, years and years and years before. And I I love Soft Cell, Soft Cell... Very fucking underrated band. Like, fuck that. Don't even listen to that song. Listen to everything else. And it's like, dude, why are these guys... It's like they had that one song that made them fucking huge. And then I just I wish people listened to the rest of their shit. Give it a chance. Sorry, I'm done. (laughs) It's just like going off, dude. Um, uh, Ghost covered Nocturnal Me, which was originally an Echo in the Bunny Men song. Yep. And then they had a Missionary Man was a cover, and I think one other one was a cover. You know, I don't listen to Ghost, but um, how did they do it? I mean, how do you think it sounds? Missionary Man? Yeah. Or Nocturnal Me, I mean? Yeah. I like, so originally I didn't know it was a cover. Okay. Like when I heard the song, because Ghost is kind of like cathedral rock right. creepy, sound, and especially on that album because they were in that sound. Um, to me, I was just like, oh, this is really cool because they got like the organs in the background okay. and make it sound all like evil churchy type of shit. Yeah, that shit's dope. So 
I thought they did a great job, but to me it sounded really familiar and I couldn't think of where. So then when I actually dug into it, I was like, oh shit, that is a cover. I didn't, I knew it, but didn't like have it, it in my head right. fresh enough to, because I knew I had heard that Echo and Bunnymen song in like, Donnie Darko or yeah, some shit yeah, like yeah. that. I can't remember what movie, That's but where it was in something. There's a bunch of Echo and the Bunny Men in that. Well, a couple songs. I think they did a good job because they put, once again, their own twist on it. Okay. Like they kind of brought it to a different light. Yeah, I just wondered Or a different if they darkness, if you were. Right. I got you. But they had a few songs. Like, they did a, when I seen them live, when me and my kid went, uh, they did Enter Sandman. And I fucking cannot stand right. to hear that song anymore. Like, if I never hear it again, it'd be too soon. Uh-huh. But it was cool. They did a good job. They like did it, was it in their own cool. way. I wouldn't listen to it in a studio recording. Uh-huh. But to see it live the way they did it was it's cool. Like cool, yeah. I gotcha. Oh, here's, a, here's one that people might not know from... Um, now, here's a, actually, I thought that this was just a Gwen Stefani song. But it is a, considered a no-doubt song. Um, the It's My Life song. Do you remember that? It's on the radio a lot. Yeah, I remember it. Oh, that was from... For it, some reason, when I hear that, I think of Bon Jovi, though. Oh, yeah, that's a different song. Yep. Same title, but... um. But I know I know which song you're talking about. Yeah. Who originally sang it? Talk, Talk in 84. So, and I mean, obviously, when you hear it, it sounds like that's it came from the 80s, even yeah. her version. But I I like her version of it, actually. A lot of the early No Doubt stuff before she went all B-N-A-N-A-N-A-S or whatever, like, the, they were pretty sweet. Yeah, they they were definitely, um, they had a niche at the time. Yeah, I mean, they were like a ska, pop-punk style group. Yeah, kinda. you didn't see that with, with a chick singer like that until no. that point. So I, you know, I get it. Um, Mambo number five. Oh. It was uh, the Louis Vega song. It was originally done by a Cuban singer named Perez Prado, which was originally released in 1949. Um, and then Lou Vega put his own twist on it down the road and made it fucking the annoying huge song that yep. it was in whatever year it came out in. What was it, like early 2000s or something, late night? I was see, 14 or 15 when that song came out. So then, like late nineties. Yeah. Ninety nine, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, the latest of the nineties. I I could, I could not ever hear that song again. And die with a smile. Yeah. Here's the one that maybe like younger listeners may not know that Britney Spears' "My Prerogative." That song got fucking big, dude. Yep. That's Bobby Brown. Uh oh, I knew that. Yeah, yeah I know I you know knew that. that. That's what I'm saying. But though. I forgot because... And that was a hit for Bobby Brown. Like, that yeah, was a big song It was a huge him. hit for him, yeah, at the time. But when you and she changed take it. 15, 20 years of music past that, mm-hmm. and then you get... Because Britney Spears was, like, the biggest thing in the world for a little in bit. In the late 90s, yeah. yeah. So when it's pushed on you that hard, like, sometimes you forget that shit. Exactly. I just thought that was interesting. And, of course, she changed the lyrics a little bit, but yeah. same song. I have a slew of Black Sabbath covers here, which are mostly from their first album. One of them surprised me, though. I didn't know that. Uh, so Evil Woman was originally done by a band named Crow, and it didn't chart in the U.K. when it came out. Um, if you get the first... Black Sabbath album, the self-titled one, the U.S. pressings do not have that cover on it. They only put it on the U.K. pressings because it didn't make it to U.S. charts. So they took it off and then later put it on a compilation in like 02 or 03 or something like that. So you can only get Evil Woman on a U.K. press? If you find a Vertigo press of the first Black Sabbath album, you can get it that way. But That's fucking hard, dude. If you could find an original Vertigo press of Black Sabbath, you're going to spend bare minimum $300. Exactly. And it's $300, it probably won't even play. It'd be like a VG, maybe. It'd be scratchy as fuck. Uh-huh. And, yeah. 
Um, That's so Evil Woman, Warning was an Ainsley Dunbar retaliation song. Changes was a Charles Bradley song. Iron Man was a Bad Plus song. I didn't know Iron Man was a fucking cover. No, dude, that's a that blows me away. That was like a huge song. Um, but yeah, a lot of their early shit was like blues and blues yeah, rock just, style covers. That's fucking um, crazy. Didn't know it. Was it recorded before anybody else? Before... Or I mean before Black Sabbath? Yeah, all of those were. Iron? Did you ever hear the Iron Man? I one? didn't listen to it because when I found that out, it was like at four a.m. this morning, oh, okay. and I was laying in bed scrolling through stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna listen to that. Murder. So I didn't get a chance to check it you out. Gotta check that out. It's gotta be weird. There were a couple other ones that were like uh, Eric Clapton had a bunch of different covers too, like After Midnight and Cocaine. I knew those were, were both. J.J. Kale songs, and then he had a few other <clears throat> ones, too. A lot of his hits were covers. Yep. It's fucking strange. Like, his, you know, I Shot the Sheriff and shit. Yeah. Which who had, originally did that? Was it Bob Marley, or was it yeah, somebody before I, Bob Marley? Ooh, could have been before Marley and the Whalers. Because I know the Bob Marley version, but I didn't know if there was one prior to. I think I'm going to have to check that out. All right. But I do... That is one Eric Clapton song, though. I I do not I do not like his version at all. I shot the sheriff. Yeah, yeah. Can't I don't like it. I like the Bob Marley version the most I, from what I've heard. Right. Um, speaking of shooting sheriffs, so I fought the law was originally done by the Crickets in '66 before the Clash did it. Did a, I know there was a, obviously it's been covered a lot, but I could have sworn there was another band that did it. Even before the clash, maybe I'm wrong. That was the crickets. But that was I'm saying there wasn't another band in between there. Oh, or, like before sure? before the clash. There might have been. I'm not sure. I'm trying to. Like, or it might have like been Bobby Fuller. Didn't Bobby Fuller do it? Possibly. I think it's. I'd Bobby have to Fuller. read into that. But I know it was made popular by the clash, so I wrote the clash. No, no, no. That's that's what we were doing. I just was wondering because I I know I've heard like a a few different versions of that song. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the so, um, it's, let's see. It was written by Bob Marley and the Whalers, I Shot the Sheriff. So they're the OGs of that song for sure. Okay. And, yeah, I like their version is much better. Um, Some Kind of Wonderful by Grand Funk was originally a Soul Brothers 6 song. That's dope. Uh, That'll fuck with a lot of fucking our parents' age people. Yeah, it barely became a top 100 hit. Um, and then in 67, when Grand Funk did it, they took it to a number three hit. Yeah, that song is fucking, to this day, still played on radio. Yep. Um, Diamonds and Rust, Judas Priest covered that. It was yeah. originally a Joan Baez song, which was written about her relationship with Bob Dylan. Judas Priest versions of the shit. Yep. And Joan Baez actually reached out to Rob Halford and was like complimenting their version of no it because shit. she was like, wow, I'm flattered. Like, you guys did a really good job of the song. Yeah. Which is cool to come from yeah, that's her Joan to, Baez to, a, to a metal, Rob Halford. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's crazy. Band. That is definitely a stretch. Um. Oh, yeah. This one will. Uh, piss some people off too so come on feel the noise and mama we're all crazy now were originally slade songs that were uh, covered by quiet riot gotcha some okay i knew that come on feel the noise was a cover but i did not know who did it like i just had you know who I mean? did it originally right yeah so if you asked me i'd be like i know it's a cover but i yeah. can't tell you who slade did it slade gotcha i would say that so you know when we were talking about how hip hop never covers anything? Yeah. I think sampling is kind of a, covered that. a form of covering. Well, in yeah, a way. it depends what the song is, how they do it, I guess, right. right? And I say that because A Tribe Called Quest, Go Ahead in the Rain, directly took a song from Slade. I can't remember the name of the song, but the whole background of the song is all that same exact Slade song. Oh, okay. So it's almost like a cover, but instrumentally. Right, right. No, that that's that could even be a whole other thing. I don't uh, see. I I'm just uh, 
I want to go over a list of covers that metal bands have done that I think are just kind of silly and ridiculous at points. But uh, between the buried and me, if anybody knows, I don't personally. I like their early shit. Um, I mean, not even like I all listen to. I'm not a big fan of Between the Buried and Me, but they did Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm going to listen to that after this because it's probably <laughs> horrible. But uh, I don't knows? know. Between the Buried and Me, like. They're talented. Talented, and they do put out some really cool, unique shit. But that is a weird song right. to cover, depending on how they did it. Now, I've heard this this next one, Children of Bodom, Oops, I Did It Again. Yep. They also covered Ramones, somebody Yeah, put they had a whole album of fucking yep. covers. But that particular song, I have heard, and it it's not good at all. Honestly, they they it sucked. The oops, I did it again. Yeah, yeah it was too. It's too gimmicky to yeah. do. As it like, somebody put something in my drink. They made work, and it sounded cool. You know, you're right. Yeah, but oops, I did it again. It could not do. Too, that's like, it'd be like mayhem covering like me and Bobby McGee or something. Like it just wouldn't. Yeah, that'd be it just so don't fucking fit. like fucked. it's too. Sometimes polar opposites will fit, and sometimes it's like, man, eh, you can't fucking, no way, it ain't going to work that way. Oh, this next one, I've never listened to this band. Um, Aris, A-R-S-I-S. Oh, Arsis? Arsis. Yep, I've heard of Okay, them. so they um, they covered Sunglasses at Night. I'm going to listen to that. Or, no, no, Corey, Corey Hart. Hart. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, ZZ at, Top covered it too then, didn't they? Yeah. 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 Megadeth did... Um, these boots are made for walking on killing is my business. That shit's pretty funny too. Okay, there's uh there's a ghost one on here. I'm a marionette. Oh yeah. That was an ABBA song. Some I've heard I've read in articles that people have compared Ghost to ABBA. Yeah. In a way. Like as far as their where they're just their exposure and shit like uh-huh. it show like their musical talent like i don't know the guy the singer for ghosts he he's fucking smart man like he's made he's created a huge huge band it's like almost like he took king diamond meets abba and like formed him together because he took that darkness and metal side but then that like a poppy hit inside yeah. to it and just made them clash to where they worked. And it brings out a really cool sound. Because, like, when I first heard Ghost, didn't care for him. Uh-huh. And then when I actually went back and listened to him, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually really, really cool. But that was one of those things that I dismissed for a while uh-huh. till down the road. And then now, like, I love him. And it was my kid's first concert that I got to take him yeah, to and yeah. shit, so that was really cool, so that, like, holds a place with me. I got gotcha. you. Uh, uh, here's another funny one that I have not heard that I want to listen to is um, Guar did a cover of um, Just Get Into My Car by Billy Ocean, and I imagine that is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I could see Odorous doing that. That That's would be funny. funny. Um, a very popular song... Me and Bobby McGee was originally done by Roger Miller, but written by, by Chris Christopherson yep. and then made popular by Janis Joplin. Um, Love Hurts was originally an Everly Brothers song, which Nazareth covered down the road. I like the Everly Brothers version better. Take Me to the River was originally an Al Green song, which was made popular. Well, I, it, Al Green made it popular, but... Talking Heads blew it up. Yep. Talking, I would, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I Can't Quit You Baby was originally a Willie Dixon song done by Led Zeppelin. You can keep going on I, that. Yeah, I didn't write them all down because I was like, man, that's going to take up 20 minutes just yeah. to list blues covers from Led Zeppelin. Basically, that goes, half of the Led Zeppelin songs that are played, basically Willie Dixon's estate gets a check every month. Yep. And the shit was all settled in court. And recently, they were being sued for ripping off Stairway to Heaven's opening riff. Um, They found a record that had it in fucking what's-his-nuts. Jimmy Page's um, 
musical library. And he's like, I have like over 10,000 records, man. I didn't even know that was in there. Yeah. Which, from a collector's point of view, that shit can happen, man. No, it does. So, but when I heard it, it was like, you cannot tell me that that did not, like it is note for note, dude. But they got away with it. It's funny how big they became off of All ripping that. other people off. But think but about it's the it's same the, with Elvis, like right. how big he became with they ripping other same, people off. Same theory, like the same like uh, recipe, you know. And uh, but then at the same time, I would say that I think the song that maybe represents Led Zeppelin the most, as far as like. To me, like their peak in an artistic way would probably be all of my love. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, and it's not even like a. It would be cool rock, to. But it's like at least it's something they did. Right. It'd be cool to have a list side by side to see what was covers of Led Zeppelin and what was originals of Led Zeppelin and see how they stack up against each other. Because I know it, they it, have, it. I know they at least have double digit covers. Fuck yeah. Um, like dazed and confused, man. Yep. And that fucking thirty-minute version of it on the song remains the same. I fucking <laughs> yeah. love. Uh, another one, "House of the Rising Sun," was originally done by Tom Clarence Ashley and Gwen Foster. Originally released in 1934, and then Bob Dylan covered it, and then the Animals covered it, and everybody. And then I'm sure a million other people covered it. Yeah, that's. I'd imagine that's. Got to be in the top ten most covered songs. I was that, that's weird that you say that because I was actually gonna say I wonder what is the most popular or the most covered song of all time, which I'm gonna Google right now. According to Guinness Book of World Records, "Yesterday" has the most cover version songs of any song ever written. What is this? Oh, it's a Beatles. Beatles covered it. Wow. Yesterday has been covered more than 2,200 times. Or no, it is originally. The no, Beatles, that's a, that's a McCartney Lennon song, dude. For sure. Yeah. And I can see that. I think, um, I think I've heard that before. I Can't Get No Satisfaction would be the next. Love Me Tender. Oh, I, can I say a Can't Get No Satisfaction one? Uh-huh. Um, Devo's version, Charted. I'm sure, though, most people would know that that was by the Rolling Stones, not fucking Devo. Right. But I do like Devo's version of it. They put it kind of like you were saying before about different spins. They they obviously made it a Devo song. I think that's cool. I like Devo. <laughs> Miles Davis did a cover of Time After Time by Cyndi Lauper. That's fucked up, too. I never heard that. You have to look at that, too. Um... The Beatles' Twist and Shout, that was a cover that I can't remember who originally did it. Did what now? I'm sorry. Twist and Shout. Oh, the the Beatles covered it. Shit, I, and obviously that's who made that famous, but... The Beatles had quite a few covers, too. Yeah. So oh, a lot of those bands from the it. 60s yeah. back then, just how they did it. Like yep. That's how they made like their first single and shit was... Oof cover songs i think aftermath was the rolling stones first album with all their own original material yeah because the rolling stones covered most blues songs originally right like every album at least had a cover on it yeah because they were big blues fans you're right a bunch of muddy waters holland wolf buddy guy yeah anyway bb king looking up at Tristan shout original artist oh duh isley brothers oh that's right Duh. Now, see, yeah, now I, I feel dumb. That. Yeah, I feel stupid. Sorry. So, the Ice Cube, It Was a Good Day, is pretty much a cover of the Isley Brothers. Um, oh, I can't remember the name. I have the record, but I can't remember the name of the song. But I would say that was a cover, too. Yeah. Just because he took the beat directly from the song. Yeah, he didn't mix and anything. And then made his own. Yeah, rap Put his it. own lyric over it. But after that, I'm out of cover songs that I wrote. Yeah, now I just want to listen to music, dude. <laughs> um, people listening, if we 
missed out some covers, which I know we did because I we could spend days listing covers. That's just how music works. But you know, go on the Instagram, hit up the episode when I post it, and list your some of your favorite covers, or let us know things that you thought were interesting that you may have not known that we brought to light for you because there was a lot of shit that I didn't know going into this episode. Me too. A lot of surprises, which made it fun. I liked that. Yeah, we don't we don't only do this for listeners. We do it for ourselves. You know, we like to find shit out too. I've actually been finding out more shit than usual just doing this because I put more... I actually have a purpose for all the research yeah, that I yeah. do rather so than just, just for self-pleasure. Right. So it it's it cool to have an actual reason and Agreed. point for the research and to bring it to other people. Well, while I was waiting for you, I was finishing up a book, and um, I'm going to leave the name of the band a secret on there because I might want to do something with it. Okay. But... um. I would have read that book anyway, but like you said, reading it with a with another purpose makes me absorb it more. Yeah. So then I can because you actually want to like take the information and bring it back and recite it, right? So people can figure that out. Which is rather than just time I'm reading this particular book. Oh, I know what book you're talking about now. Oh, another conversation we had, um, unrelated to records, but related to gear when we were talking about the project um boxes where you're like i just saw that fucking thing for 500 bucks yeah the two bucks i I had them uh the one that the step above is a thousand bucks and the one you're talking about is now only 400 okay so is that we were were talking about two different fucking things that's why it was like not making sense is the s1 what you're talking about then no, been it's a, in the previous, or is there a? Or is an there S3. a? Oh, okay. DS3. Yeah, because yeah, I was thinking of the S two, like right. being a tube damp, and it was only like four or five hundred that, bucks. That's that is correct. Okay, because to me, when you said that, I was like, "Fuck, double the price is a ridiculous yeah. jump up for something that's been out for a few years now." Exactly. So anyway, clear that up. I'm really liking this Vincent PHO seven zero one preamp with an outboard power supply i like when they split it like that yeah makes for a much quieter fucking thing but i don't know if i want to run tubes or not because it's kind of like once you cross that line you can't go back and i know it from experience man play guitar on a fucking tube damp for a year and then go to a fucking solid state you're like is way different. Oh sound. my god! It's like why I'm playing a fucking tin can now. <laughs> yeah, but and I don't know. I'd imagine that'd be the same with listening. It is depending on what you're listening to, though. Yeah, because not everything. You know, I I'm think, gonna do it. Not everything I think would sound good on tubes. I'm just trying to get to. Well, obviously, the main reason for the tube, which I would assume is probably your same reason, is the jazz. Yep. Like, that's why I want it, because this shit's going to... Or the blues, too. Or the blues, right. right. It'll be real... Um, Why do they want that warmth? Yeah, it brings out that sound. But if you're, like, throwing on a mortal or something, I don't you think it's don't really going it. to change it all that much. True. But i love to try and find out. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm just... um. I don't know if I'd want my black metal to sound warm. It'd take away from the appeal to it. But see, that's the other thing. I wonder... I want to see if it... I want to see how much color it gives to it. Right. Because I'd rather have none at all, you know, so you just get all the record. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, you want a little coloration or that particular sound, like the Marantz sound or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, whenever I'm streaming a record, I always, my amp has, well, all of my amps actually, well, except one, all have a option where you can hit it direct yeah. to where there's no EQ, there's no filters, there's no high pass, yep. there's no any of that shit. Yep. You're getting the exact like raw cut sound yep. of the record and sometimes that's good and sometimes that sucks. That's why it just I, depends on the record. But I like that they have buttons to control such yeah. things. But a good stereo will bring out the bad sound in whatever recording 
and a bad stereo will make everything sound good. Exactly. So remember that when purchasing components. You can get all this badass shit, and then you put on your favorite record, and now you can hear the little... Yeah, now you hear that it sounds like a fucking pile of dog right. shit. Yeah. Anyway, all that's right. what's up with that. Later, people. Peace. Peace.